The purpose of this activity is to expand the reach of chest content through awareness, critique, and discussion. All articles have undergone peer review for methodological rigor and audience relevance. Any views asserted are those of the speakers and are not endorsed by chest. Listeners should be aware that speakers' opinions may vary and are advised to read the full corresponding journal articles for complete context. This content should not be used as a basis for medical advice or treatment, nor should it substitute the judgment used by clinicians in the practice of evidence-based medicine. Well, hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal Podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Gretchen Winter. On behalf of CHEST, I would like to welcome you to this CHEST Journal podcast. I am Dr. Gretchen Winter, and I'm your CHEST podcast moderator. Thank you all for joining us today for what will be an interesting discussion of um, the use of therapeutic heparin in acutely ill hospitalized patients with COVID-19. We are fortunate to have Dr. Jimenez and Dr. Tritzler as our guests. Dr. Tobias Tritzler and his colleagues wrote the point side of this point counterpoint for the Chess Journal entitled, Should Therapeutic Heparin Be Administered to Acutely Ill Hospitalized Patients with COVID-19? Dr. Tritzler is an internist and scientist at the University of Bern in Switzerland. He was a panelist of the Chess Guidelines on Prevention, Diagnosis, and Treatment of Venous Thromboembolism in Patients with COVID-19. And his interests include prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of venous thromboembolism in patients with COVID-19. Dr. David Jimenez and his colleagues wrote the counterpoint to this argument. Dr. Jimenez is an associate professor of medicine at the University of Alcala in Madrid, Spain, and is chief of the respiratory department and chief of the venous thromboembolism program at the Ramon y Cajal Hospital. His interests include venous thromboembolism and clinical care, education, and research for patients with pulmonary embolism. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for the kind invitation. It is a great pleasure to share these minutes with Dr. Trichler and with you. We are excited to get started. So let's do that with Dr. Trichler. You start by recapping the evidence from the four major randomized controlled trials published looking at therapeutic anticoagulation in hospitalized patients with COVID-19. Can you please give our listeners a brief overview of what those studies found? Thank you, Dr. Winter. I will focus on the trials that have evaluated anticoagulation in non-critically ill patients because it appears that treatment effects of anticoagulants differ between patients on the ward and those in the ICU. To date, we have three trials that evaluated therapeutic dose heparin, mainly low molecular weight heparin, and one trial that compared rivaroxaban 20 milligrams daily for 30 days with standard thromboprophylaxis with low molecular weight heparin. Trial designs and primary outcomes differ between the trials, but overall, I would say that the trials show that therapeutic dose heparin compared with standard thromboprophylaxis reduces the risk of venous thromboembolism and increases the risk of bleeding. 
It appears to have no effect of on overall mortality, but reduces the need for organ support. In contrast, the trial evaluating rivaroxaban showed no benefit in terms of time to death, duration of hospitalization, or duration of supplemental oxygen, but a significant increase of major or clinically relevant non-major bleeding. Now, um, Dr. Jimenez, um, you also wrote about the risk for bleeding with anticoagulation. So what did these studies show regarding that possible adverse outcome? Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, we published a systematic review and meta-analysis in chest journal showing that the risk of bleeding was not negligible in patients hospitalized for COVID-19. We found a pool incidence of 7.8% for any bleeding and 3.9% for major bleeding. And those meta-analyses that have combined the results of the randomized controlled trials have shown that therapeutic anticoagulation significantly increases the odds for major, minor, and any bleeding, with odds ratios around two. In addition, the trial patients were highly selected by very experienced investigators. Therefore, one might anticipate the, that the use of therapeutic anticoagulation by less experienced doctors in clinical practice could significantly increase the number of bleeding events. And Dr. Trichler, what is your rebuttal to these concerns over the bleeding risks with therapeutic anticoagulation? So I fully agree with Dr. Kimanis that therapeutic anticoagulation will increase the risk of bleeding. And I think, and as we outlined in our chest guideline, uh, clinicians always need to evaluate the risk of bleeding prior to administering therapeutic dose heparin. However, I want to highlight that selecting patients who may gain the greatest benefit from an intervention is common for randomized controlled trials because randomized controlled trials aim to provide evidence for relative treatment effectiveness under optimal conditions. So in fact, all landmark RCTs of anticoagulation for venous thromboembolism used very stringent eligibility criteria and it is the clinician's responsibility to apply relative treatment effects of such trials to the individual patient's baseline risk. Another important consideration regarding bleeding risk is that although the meta-analysis referenced by Dr. Kimanis showed that overall the risk of bleeding or of major bleeding and clinically relevant non-major bleeding is high, also the observational studies show that the risk in non-critically ill patients was relatively low. So when we look at observational studies or meta-analysis, we need to be careful to distinguish between patients in the ICU and the ward because their bleeding risk differs significantly. So we can't just compare observational studies that included both ICU and ward patients with RCTs that included only ward patients. 
So, for example, there was a large observational study from the Rieta Registry, and the risk of major bleeding in critically ill patients on increased dose heparin was 10.6%, but this was in contrast with the risk in non-critically ill patients, which was 2.6%, and 2.6% aligns pretty well with the risks observed in RCTs. So overall, I think clinicians need to assess the bleeding risk, but in patients considered at low risk of bleeding, the absolute risk increase is small and therapeutic dose heparin should be considered given its benefit regarding the need for organ support. And Dr. Trichler, you also discussed other possible mechanisms for improved outcomes with heparin use other than simply the anticoagulant effect. Can you please discuss those? So when we think about those other or pleiotropic effects of heparin, it is important to consider that about 70% of heparin molecules bind close to 250 proteins other than antithrombin, and heparin can modulate their biological properties. So potential effects that have been shown previously include anti-inflammatory and antiviral effects. For example, heparin binds or alters the viral spike protein, which influences the ability of SARS-CoV-2 to enter host cells through the ACE2 receptor. Furthermore, heparin binds chemokines, cytokines, complement factors, and thereby prevents these factors from uh, exhibiting their pro-inflammatory effects. And furthermore, it also appears to reduce the production of cytokines and reduce endothelial dysfunctions. But overall, we do not yet fully understand the impact of these effects on clinical outcomes in COVID, but it would not be the first time that findings from clinical trials advance our understanding of pathophysiologic mechanisms. And Dr. Jimenez, in your rebuttal, you discuss the evolution of the virus and our treatments for it and how that may affect the risk-benefit ratio of therapeutic anticoagulation. Can you please discuss that? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I think that there has been a change in the scenario of the pandemic. Uh, there has been increasing vaccine coverage with massive reduction in serious disease among populations with high vaccination rates. In fact, we have a very recent study from UK showing that the incidence of venous thromboembolism has significantly decreased uh, in patients admitted to the hospitals with COVID-19. In addition, the standard of care for patients with COVID-19 has evolved, and most of these patients who are admitted to the hospital receive dexamethasone, antiviral drugs such as remdesivir, tocilizumab. Even we have the opportunity to use monoclonal antibodies for some of our patients with a diagnosis of COVID-19. In addition, the, the newest variants like Omicron have milder forms of clinical presentation. Therefore, the risk-benefit ratio of therapeutic anticoagulation might be different nowadays, 
as compared to the years 2020 and 2021, when the landmark randomized control trials were conducted. And Dr. Tritzler, do you have a response to that? I actually agree with Dr. Jimenez. Uh, however, I think this limitation applies to all treatments of COVID-19 because none of the treatment trials, including the ones for steroids, remdesivir, um, monoclonal antibodies, were conducted in the current circumstances with new variants, vaccinated patients, and luckily, uh, lower risk of adverse outcomes. But as for the risk of bleeding, I think it is important that clinicians uh, assess also the risk of thrombosis and the risk of disease progression and that probably patients at high risk of thrombosis and disease progression and low risk of bleeding are likely those that benefit from therapeutic dose heparin. Well, this is one of the least contentious point counterpoints I've ever hosted. So as we finish up this discussion with you both very agreeable gentlemen, can you please give our listeners a closing thought on what you want them to take away from this discussion? Dr. Trichler, why don't you start? I think there's no doubt that some uncertainties remain regarding the optimal approach to anticoagulation in COVID-19. And as for any treatment, clinicians really need to carefully weigh benefits and risks of treatments. But I think we can also not disregard the available evidence from close to 3,000 patients enrolled in RCTs that indicate the benefit of therapeutic dose heparin in non-critically ill patients with COVID-19 who are at a low risk of bleeding. And Dr. Jimenez. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, I would like to highlight that uh, we only have one single randomized control trial, the multi-platform trial for non-critically ill patients that have suggested that therapeutic anticoagulation might be a treatment for COVID-19 per se. This is the only positive trial. And then we have decided that this trial has to be right, and we have to explain why all the other trials, including those for critically ill patients, are negative. And we have elaborated the time window and the pleiotropic hypothesis, which have not been confirmed so far. And in my opinion, the explanation might be easier. In the history of medical literature, there have been many single trials with results that have not been replicated ever again. And this might be the case, particularly because the two positive trials have COVID and multi-platform trials have some important potential limitations. Test guidelines suggest the potential use of therapeutic anticoagulation with low molecular weight heparin in non-critically ill patients with COVID-19. In my opinion, if such a treatment is chosen outside of a trial, certain decision-making should be made with patients about potential benefits, as well as existing uncertainties of the choice. 
Excellent points from you both. And I want to give a big thank you to Dr. Trichler and Dr. Jimenez for this great discussion. And a big thank you to our chess community for joining us. I'm Gretchen Winter, and this is a chess podcast. Until next time.